you're new here with us and you don't know Susan Lane's story, ask somebody near you, they'll tell you about it. It's a great story of God's goodness in the midst of adversity. All right, well, we are in the middle of a three-week series uh, at the start of the fall to just kind of talk about who we are. Last week, we talked about being a people that are revived in God. Happens every week. It's like a... It's like a whoopee cushion, you know, it's so like, I'm going to, used to when that happened, I would go like this, but I'm just prepared for it now. <laughs> you do it to me. This is, we got a trickster as a worship pastor, I tell you. Okay. So, um, and uh, thank you for throwing me off. Woohoo! But this week, we're going to talk about being refreshed refreshed in community. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about being refreshed, share that with them. There's not enough talking going on. I'm refreshed. And if you're not smiling and laughing, share something else. I mean, you missed it. What happens when you, and if you don't have somebody near you, get up and talk to somebody. Let somebody know why you're refreshed. Turn around. So share with, share with me. Share with me uh, somebody, just a couple of people. Um, let me know what refreshed means to the, your neighbor. Sh- huh? Joy. Okay. What else? Water. Somebody else? With my name on it. So it's two forms of refreshment. Thank you, Johnny. Coke and Sean. Yeah, I think that's pretty much, pretty much it. Thanks for picking that. Did you search a long time for it, or was it just random? <laughs> At least five minutes. You lie. <laughs> but all the same, thank you for drinking a Coke in my honor. Well, um, I, I'm sure that there... I, there's some of those um, still my still my points, but not the Sean and Coke. But um, refreshment comes in a lot of different ways, doesn't it? One of the things that we want you to be able to think about when you think about refreshment is church. We are believing that church and walking with one another and fellowshipping will be refreshing. It'll be like water. It'll be like water when you are parched and thirsty and it's hot and life is hard, church, family, fellowship would be like drinking a good tall glass of ice water. Refreshment would be like, uh, you know, one of the words I think about when I think about refreshment is the first time I laid eyes on my wife. That refreshed me. Well, maybe when I laid eyes on her and I knew that she was going to be my wife. (laughs) Before that, it was both refreshment and terror. I don't know if you know this, but I told her I loved her, and she said, thank you. <laughs> she didn't tell me she loved me back for a whole week. That was not refreshing, but that's a whole other message. Refreshment is relationship. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's receiving something new and exciting in your life. It's... Uh, Deepening something that is already there that is good. That's refreshing. We want church to be that way for you. Another kind of 
a newer term for refreshment as I was thinking about it is when we refresh our browsers on the internet, right? What are we doing? We're updating. We're, we're getting new data, up-to-date information about what's current and relevant and what we're looking at. We want that to be a true thing for you in church, that you're up-to-date in your life with God, that you're up-to-date in what God's purpose in design is for you, and it's discovered and discerned as we walk together in community. We want to be refreshed. He wants to do this by revealing himself to you, his life, through his people. He wants to do it through church and community. He wants to do that here at the River Church, and we're believing that that would be true for you. You know, we need each other. God has designed us to need each other. He has created us to not be alone. As a matter of fact, from the very beginning of everything is community. Oftentimes we don't think about this, but when we think about the Trinity, when we think about who God is, God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There has been an authentic life-giving, anything that you think about community that is good has been going on from the beginning of time. Laughter, joy, deep connect, support, encouragement. That's who God is. And God has been practicing community in the Trinity forever. So that when we were born, created, when God established uh, us Uh, as humans here on earth, when he decided to start this amazing plan of of creating human beings, man and and woman, to not only um, know him, but to know one another, to experience deep community. It says says in Genesis, it says, "Let let us, the Trinity, make man in our image. And many theologians talk a lot about the image or what the image of God looks like, but most would agree that the image of God not only looks like what God is like in his reasoning, his character, um, his, his goodness or morality, but his image looks like community. That the image of God is not just that we bear the mark of God as an individual, that would be half of the story. But the completion of the image of God that, that we were made in, is walking in authentic, deep, life-giving community. It's not just something that we take or leave. It's not just something that we go, well, you know what, I do that thing once a week at, on, in, at Sunday. I check off the church box. It's about experiencing at every level of community and in, in, in oneness with one another, life in the image of God. That puts a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of seriousness to it, doesn't it? But don't forget that everything that we look for in, in community, everything that we long for in relationship is at its best in the Trinity. The best of community is found in God, not the worst. The most liberating and fun and joyful, oh, but, but every picture of Jesus, he looks like this. That's because they didn't take enough good pictures of Jesus. Jesus isn't just the frowning guy with the halo over his head. Jesus is full of life. Full of fun. 
I have, a, I have pictures in my mind that around the campfire at night, it got a little crazy with Jesus. Because he is the author of all that is joyful, fun, life-giving, deep, wonderful, healing, and on and on. What we look for, what we look for in community is found most authentically in Jesus. Our, our society is looking for it, aren't they? We're looking for it. We just, as one old country singer said, uh, for those of you who are older, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. We're looking for it in all the wrong places. I'll sing it for you later if you want me to. <laughs> looking, I'm sorry, just, uh, just want to do it. Love. In all the wrong, okay. <laughs> but we're looking for it. We're looking for it. Mother Teresa said this, that loneliness, loneliness, loneliness is the leprosy of modern society. Loneliness is the leprosy. That we have thousands and millions of people that really are extremely lonely, even if they live in cities. It's not being surrounded by people that meets the lonely meter, although at times it means the absence of people for sure. But it's not just that people don't get with people, which is part of the equation, but that when we get together, we don't really get together. We do it all out here. We keep up our walls. We keep up our distance. We don't let people really know who we are. We don't let people especially know what our chains are that we talked about earlier. We don't really get into the heart of who we are, and so we might even have a lot of social network Networking going on, both on our phone and in a bar or in a school or at the workplace, but we're still lonely because nobody really knows who I am. Individualism. Individualism. It's a, probably seen as a positive word in our culture. Lone Ranger. Sports hero. Quarterback. $30 million movie star. It's all about me. It's all about what I'm doing for me and, and glorifying me. And yet, one after another, the Lone Rangers fall because it's not really satisfying even for them. Because it's not meeting what is truly the need of their life. Individual supreme or sovereign over everything is not what we want. We want community. Now, I never can say this guy's name, but I'm going to try to say it. Uh, Mary, this is where I need you. Dostoevsky. Thank you. And Mary, could you stand beside me? He said this. In my dreams, I am very often passionately determined to serve humanity. Or let's put it for the, to be with humanity, to serve them. Yet I'm quite incapable of living with anyone in one room for two days together. And I know that from experience. That there's a desire for us to connect and to serve, but it's really hard to do community when people are involved. That's part of the problem, is you and me. But we need to figure that out, don't we? It's already been figured out for us. We just got to submit to it, and it's found in Christ Jesus. That as we learn to receive and 
acknowledge and be who Christ is in us and through us that we all of a sudden start to see and love and experience people in a completely different way, don't we? All of a sudden, loneliness or all of a sudden, individualism is not our prime motive. Our motive is to prefer and to serve and to love one another. So where do we go for community in our world? Without Christ, we go to pets. Wow, there is a huge pet community. We like pets. You know why pets are a part of our community? And in some ways, it's very understandable. I, I loved my dog. I, my very best friend when I was a kid was my dog. He didn't know that. But I did everything with my Why do we love pets as communities? Because they're loyal. They love us. They don't talk back. They let us control them and do what we want to do. That's a pretty awesome thing, but that's not the epitome of community. We go to bars. We even go to community. We go to work for community. We throw ourselves into our race for advancement and retirement. Social media, you know the, you know the gig. But we don't just need gatherings of friends or people. We need biblical community. And we find the clearest demonstration or explanation of biblical community in Acts 2, 42 through 47. So let's look at that this morning and unpack it really quickly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They being the, uh, the community of believers. And for those of you who are less familiar with this passage of Scripture, um, there was a small group of believers that were meeting um, in, a, in a place and they were praying and they were worshiping and they were expecting um, for God to do something. Jesus had said, wait, and I will send you the Holy Spirit. And so they were waiting and praying, waiting for this promise of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit came in power. There were tongues of fire that landed on their heads, and all these crazy things happened. People gathered because of the noise and the commotion. They preached the gospel. They preached that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God, that he died and he rose again, and that he did that to pay for the chains and the sin that are in our life to set us free and Peter preached this awesome message and thousands of people got saved and then they just said what do we do and so they started hanging out together and that's where we find ourselves in Acts 242 and it says they those people those large crowds of people devoted themselves to the apostles teaching into the fellowship to the fellowship to the koinonia to the to the to the being together to the breaking of bread and to prayer and everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. For those of us who have just come to know Jesus or have walked with Jesus for a long time, when we read that passage of Scripture, there should be something in us that goes, that's what I want to see. I want to see that. I want to live that. I want to be a part of that. That scares me to death. I don't even understand how it works. I haven't seen that in the way that I want to see it, but I hunger for that. That would be the response of believers in Christ because that is the spirit of God's response in us. I want to see that happen through you. That's why I'm living in you. To be this kind of church. So what kind of church 
What does community look like that refreshes us that we see in Acts 2.42? Well, it is a devoted, it is a devotion to one another. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship, to the koinonia, to the common, the common purpose, the common partnership. It's kind of similar to a marriage contract or covenant. I don't want to make it too seriously, but that is kind of the indication or the understanding of this word. That they were devoted to one another in the same way that we are devoted to family. I loved it last night. I was hanging out with, at a party and, and some old friends happened to come in. And they said at their church, um, uh, there's such a strong sense of family that their kids call everybody aunt and uncle. And that when one of their blood aunts came, came into town, they said, this is your real aunt. And they weren't sure if they were telling the truth. Because they didn't know their real aunt hardly at all. But they knew the aunts and uncles in their church really well. We're not trying to replace flesh and blood. And there is a place where we serve and love flesh and blood. But at the end of time, what is flesh and blood is the church. That's what we're committed to. That's what we're devoted to. Devotion. Like being in love. All the wives got starry-eyed when I said that and all the husbands went. Can you remember when you were that kind of in love? Refresh yourself again. That's what we are to be like with the church. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Galatians 6, but what are we devoted? What kind of devotion? Look at Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back under the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Sharing the burdens of one another, this is like obeying the law of Christ. N.T. Wright says it this way, true koinonia or true fellowship means mutually participating in Christ so that reconciliation, forgiveness, and harmony become possible. When we become, as Galatians says in the negative, when we become so important to ourselves and in our thinking that we think that we have um, a place of superiority or a place of judgment or a place of distancing ourselves from the church because it isn't quite right yet for us. Well, you're not that important. But the way that Christ displayed it is that he didn't see equality with him to be something that is grasped, that he emptied himself in the form of a servant. He humbled himself, even to the point of death on the cross, Philippians. We share one another's burdens. So for some of us, that sharing of burden is exactly what Galatians just talked about. It is helping people who are in sin come out of sin. It's being careful not to be walk in, in sin by being accountable with one another. It's humbling ourselves and being teachable and servants and always learning and sharing life with one another. Not just a physical or, or, or time-oriented sharing, but sharing the Word of God, the life of Jesus, the forgiveness of God, 
The reconciliation of God. True fellowship cannot happen if we carry independence, arrogance, judgment, unforgiveness, offense. This divides community. But when we mutually in humility share burdens with one another through receiving and giving forgiveness, walking in humility and teachability, we begin to obey the law of Christ and we find what we're looking for. Amen? That is a whole message in itself. I'm stopping there. But it might be for some of us in the room to say, you know what, I'm not just coming to church to get my needs met. This isn't just about part of the refreshment I talked about, which is a cup of cold water refreshing me. Sincere and encouraging fellowship that's encouraging me. That is a full half or a good part of it, and sometimes that's all of it for us. At certain times, that's all that we have to give is to receive, and that's okay. But the fullness of our experience with Christ in the church is a mutual sharing of one another's burdens and care. Look at somebody next to you and say, I want to I help carry your burden, if you can say it. All right. All right, now ask them what's your burden. Now ask them what their burden is. No, I'm just kidding. You can do that, you can do that later. And if you looked at them and said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to you carrying my burden, shame on you. You were not listening to what I was preaching. Okay. Refreshing community means meeting and knowing Jesus and seeing God work in miraculous ways. Wouldn't that be fun, and isn't it fun, when that happens? When everyone is filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs are done. We're not a social club, although there is a lot of social stuff that goes on. And even though we meet in the former Moose Lodge, this is no longer the Moose Lodge, even though it still has the moose on the front door, this is the body of Christ. This is Jesus in our midst. This is meeting with the living God every time we hang out with one another. Every time two or three or more are gathered in his name, he's there also in his communal power in life. When we join hands and pray, we believe that something happens when we're praying. Amen? We're not just speaking a social blessing over somebody, but we're invoking the living God and saying, God within us and possibly within the person I'm praying for. Sometimes we're praying for people who don't know Jesus. But in this place, show up. Show up. Please, God. And we're not demanding that. We're asking it. We're thanking God that he's already promised it. Thank you, God, that you're here. And when God is present as he is here, miracles happen. They should happen. We want to see them happen. And I've seen them happen in the body of Christ. I've seen physical healings, backs healed, brain Diseases healed, cancer healed, wounds healed. I've seen lots of healings through the prayer of God. Maybe it's sometimes when I'm just praying, but most of the times it's when a group of people are praying that I've been a part of 
seeing the testimony of God's miraculous power. I've seen marriages restored in community, financial miracles, babies saved in the womb, and on and on. God is a miracle worker in the midst of community. Community also is willing to share all that they have. Look at verse 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. That's the one that scares us. As we look at that and we go, God, I really like my stuff. I really like where my stuff is. For those of you who have had the borrowers come to your house. I actually never let anybody borrow my stuff. I just give it to them, and if they give it back, praise the Lord. No, I'm serious. Someone say, can I borrow your lawnmower? You can, you can borrow it. In my mind, I'm thinking, that's his lawnmower. Now, don't take, me, take advantage of me. You can borrow my car right after the service. I can see one of you thinking, I'd like to borrow your car. But in my mind, I've got to let go because if the lawnmower comes back without a change, now that's not good if you borrow somebody's stuff. That's a whole other message. When you borrow somebody's stuff, bring it back better than it left. But after that being said, if someone borrows my stuff and it doesn't come back the way that I want it, well, they didn't. Hey, I just got back a less than better lawnmower than I gave away. If it doesn't come back at all, I'm free. Because honestly... All of our stuff really belongs to him. It belongs to God. Which to me is a great thing. Because he is really good at upgrades. So I mean, if it's his stuff, he can pay for the upgrade. He can pay for, he's got the replacement plan in hand. He can take care of me. Take care of me a lot better than I can take care of myself. So I trust in him. And so then I can with grace and freedom. Give to you, and you can give to one another and share and allow each other's burdens to be cared for in Christ. Sometimes um, it looks financial. Sometimes it looks um, like material stuff, like food and clothing, etc. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's hospitable. But we share all that we have in common. And something of life is born in that, isn't it? We are to consider, Hebrews 10 says, how we may spur one another on towards these kinds of love and good deeds. You know, even this children's ministry thing that's happening is a sharing of life. It's a sharing of your gifts and talents and uh, who you are to create community in, in church for the, for the kids. And so, again, I just want to highlight it. Every person in this room has something to give to our children. We'd love for you to be involved in that. But it's a way of us sharing our life with our kids here, in faith groups, at home. I love our church. I, I just have so many illustrations that come to mind of, of um, people staying days and or months in people's homes when they're in need. It's happening right now. Whole families in people's homes in a place of, of, of a crossroads and 
the body of Christ is opening up the doors of anonymous bags of groceries showing up on people's doorsteps uh, without knowing who even gave them those groceries, but coming at the time of need. Checks, I mean, cash in envelopes in people's mailboxes at the, at the time where they were at their last penny. I love it. All of a sudden, it's not... Uh, just getting through life, but life, even in its trial and its hardship, becomes an adventure with God that's filled with the miraculous. That is the church. Even Susan and Jay being here is such a glorious example of the church coming together to love and to give and to serve. Moving houses, watching kids, helping people repair their houses. John Barishiana, praise the name of John Barishiana. I called him this week just to say, I love you, brother. Thank you. I miss you. He has repaired more things in my house. Thank you for John B. And on and on. Community looks like, verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were together. They liked being together. They met together. They did it a lot. And it was a joyful thing. And we plan a lot of things at the river to get you together. I'll let you in on something. This service is one of them. We got you here. Now look around. You're all together. But it doesn't do us any good if you just come in and seat in your assigned seat on the third row, fourth seat every Sunday. And you don't interact. And I love the sound of church when, before church starts. And I love the sound of church after church is over. And 30 minutes later, there's still people in huddles laughing and encouraging one another, praying for one another here at the church. Sometimes we'll put out bread and food um, out uh, after the service to create space for hospitality. As a matter of fact, it's funny that I just said that. But we are looking for hospitality coordinators some of you who are like, man, I love doing that. I just like love tying the little bows and making it pretty and food and all that stuff. That's not me. <laughs> so if you like doing that, we need a lot of yous to help create fellowship after the service for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of connect time that sometimes is the best connect time of the week for people. To create space, potlucks, family mandate in a month where we're just going to meet at the Fesden School for a whole day and listen to teaching and fellowship together and have our kids there. There's a whole kids camp for our, for our kids with kids workers are planning a whole day for our, our kids. Our parents are going to be together to learn. We're going to all eat together for lunch and hang out. It'll be a glorious time. We plan these kind of events for fellowship. But if, if just planning is a part of it on our end, then we, we're not hitting the mark fully. But we're expecting that in our faith groups and our small groups and in these connections that are happening, that life is happening between you and there's so many unplanned and spontaneous fellowship things that are going on with you because life is happening. Friendships are being built. Initiation is happening. You're owning church. We're not owning it for you. We'll partner together as a church to do church. But at the end of the day, you and me, as members of this body, make it happen as we serve and love and look out to the interests of one another. Because we like being together. 
And you say, well, I'm not quite sure I agree with you. I don't know if I like being with you. You know, I understand. I've been in some faith groups, some small groups sometimes where I looked around and I thought, you know what, in my natural self, I don't know if I would have chosen to be friends with anybody in this room. I'm just being honest. Right? I know I'm the only one who's ever experienced that. You're all looking at me. I cannot believe my pastor just said that. What right is... There are times when I'm in groups where I'm like, I would, I probably would not, I, I probably would not have organized this group on my own, but can I tell you that over the course of two, three, four, six, seven, eight weeks of spending time with those guys, I look around and I go, I really like you. I might not have ever connected with you naturally, but in the spirit and through sharing life and knowing your story, I really like you. Some of my best friends are friends that I never thought. I'd be hanging out with. Jay's back there smiling because he said, I, I thought that about you, Pastor. I, I can see what you're thinking. Yeah, I see what you're thinking. And we actually like each other. Don't be, I don't know what that laughs about, Jay, but. <laughs> the Spirit of God breathes life into our relationship. Can I just do a plug for faith groups? And we're going to plug them here in a second. But you are going to experience, if, if we create the environment as leaders, which we are constantly praying about and working through, to create an environment where you can come in and you can be who you are, right where you are with the questions that you have, and we allow the Word of God and the living God to be in the center of who we are, and we look to Him in His Word, and we reflect and we respond to Him through worship and through prayer, and we connect with one another at an honest level, right where we're at, and we, we support one another, and we pray for one another, and we know one another, loneliness will be broken, no more leprosy in your life, you'll be known, and you'll be, you'll be amazed that the things about you that you thought nobody's ever going to accept, God and the, and the faith group will really accept you and love you and challenge you and support you. And you'll be in a place where you can give as well, and they'll receive from you. That's what faith group's about. We're going to talk about that right at the end here in just one minute as we finish this up. Their homes were always filled with each other, eating together. Homes and food on the table are at the core of fellowship, right? So if we're not eating together in each other's homes, we need to be doing that more often. Because it is good for us. It's, it, it means that we see, you know, you know what my bathroom looks like. I know that you look through my medicine cabinet. You know what medicine. You know what's in the drawers. That's okay because I'm family. All I say about my house, you can come in my door anytime as long as you're okay if I tell you to leave. We're good. Yes. You can come in whenever you want, and I can tell you to go whenever I want. It's not only for us, though, but it's also uh, for that last point in that passage of Scripture. that It says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved, that ultimately being made in the image of God living out his image through our relationship with him and him shining through us both individually but corporately as a body, that 
community, that koinonia, that fellowship, that devoted, life-giving, sharing everything that we have, being in each other's lives, forgiving, accepting, not judging, being teachable, humble, available, open, that kind of community is a witness to people who don't have it. If we're doing it right, and even when we're not doing it right and we're repenting and we're trying to do it better, when we're doing it or attempting to do it, the world says, I want in on that. That's better than the bar. That's better than my dachshund. Yeah. That's better than my dog. I tried to say dachshund, but I think it came out as Dotson. That's better than where I'm looking for it, and I want to know what that kind of fellowship is all about. That's what we want to be about. Okay. Stand up with me. Team, come on up.